Hey, I'm Charlie, and thanks for being here today. If you're already a subscriber to the show, thank you so much. You're incredible, and your support means more than you know. And if you're here for the first time, make sure you subscribe to the show, because today, like in every episode, I'm bringing you the most amazing, childless, child-free content on the internet that teaches you how to overcome those limiting beliefs you have about yourself and stop the self-sabotaging behaviors that are holding you back from embracing a life you deserve. There's a reason the saying goes, hindsight is twenty-twenty. It's like having a crystal ball that predicts what the stock market is going to do this year, or who's going to win the election. Like walking into your last final senior year and having the answer key in your back pocket. Now, you may be starting to wonder, Charlie, what's this have to do with infertility? Well, let me ask you this. What would it have felt like to know where the road was taking you before you left your garage? Would you even have turned on the engine? Or would you still be sitting in your car, white-knuckling the steering wheel because you were too afraid to go? My goal for this podcast is to always provide you with incredible value, whether that's through interviewing industry experts, sharing stories from regular women like you and me, or sharing insights from my journey and how I was able to learn to love my life without kids. It's first and foremost about bringing you the information you need to feel empowered in your choices. That's why I decided to start something new on the show. Introducing Ask the Audience. In this new series, which I'm sprinkling into the show at least once every other month, I'm hitting the streets and asking women like you who have been in the trenches of infertility one question each episode that will give you insights and add to your toolbox of skills you need to learn to love your life without kids. In today's first Ask the Audience series, I asked 11 women who have gone through infertility and decided to remain childless afterwards. What's one thing you wish you knew when you started your fertility journey? These are women from all walks of life, from a VP of HR for a technology company to a homesteader in the mountains of Tennessee. This shows that infertility doesn't discriminate and it can affect anyone, anywhere, in any walk of life. I'll also be chiming in on the answers given. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Life Beyond Infertility Podcast with Charlie Dice, the show that teaches you how to get unstuck from the grief and loss of infertility so that you can accept and embrace a joyful life beyond it. One thing I wish I knew before starting my fertility journey was to get tested way sooner than I did. I think also thinking about my husband and him getting tested earlier because in our situation, we have male factor infertility. And if we would have known five years ago, then we probably could have gotten started on this journey a lot sooner. I thought this was a great clip to start out with because it's absolutely true. For one, we don't even get to talk to our doctors or our doctors don't talk to us about infertility or the things that we should be doing to improve our chances until we start to try for a family. So if my OB would have talked to me in my early 20s, even my mid-20s, about things like freezing my eggs or even checking my egg quality, maybe starting prenatals, getting tested, both my husband and I, it really could have made a difference. And maybe we would have known that we were going to struggle like we were and there were things that we could do to avoid some of that struggle. 
And absolutely, as far as, you know, getting your husband or your male partner tested, that's something that should be normal, should be normalized instead of just constantly focusing on the female first. I wish I knew that I would have to be my own biggest advocate. I wish I knew that doctors won't feel as much urgency with patients in their 20s as they do with patients in their 30s and 40s. Even though there are some infertility-related conditions that can affect someone in their teens or their 20s, I wish that I'd pushed more and advocated for myself more during the beginning of my infertility journey. And to someone just starting out their infertility journey, I would say that you are the person who has your best interests and your goals in mind. You can absolutely pursue testing at a younger age or even before you've been trying for a certain amount of time. And those test results should help inform your treatment plans and timeline, not just how old you are or how concerned your doctor is about your specific case. I love this clip, not only because it closely follows the advice of the first one, but also to mention the fact of being our own biggest advocates. So even though we feel as though the medical professionals should have our best interests at heart and should be the experts in their field, you are the expert of your own body. What wish we would have known before starting our fertility journey is that it's not a one-size-fits-all model for everyone. Um, it tends to look and feel differently for each couple. And that infertility is actually more common than a lot of people may think. Uh, we tend to go through these things alone because no one's really talking about it. Personally, for us, we have anywhere from three to four couples that we know that at some point have struggled with infertility. So for us, I wish we also would have had a little bit more support from our providers when we started asking questions. Typically, you know, we get that pushback from an age perspective. Oh, you guys are still young. You can, you have time. But truth of the matter is it looks differently and feels differently for each couple. I wish we would have gotten the support that I wanted as far as not being told to wait because now we find ourselves facing male factor infertility and we have a little bit of regret of not testing sooner. Lean on your support system and give yourself a little bit of grace because in the long run, it will be worth it. But yeah, definitely advocate for yourself is what I really wish I was told um, when we started this whole thing. There's a reason I put all of these clips together is because there's a recurring theme, right? Advocating for yourselves male factor infertility testing, and also making sure that you're being open and honest with your providers because it really is the consensus that they are not starting this conversation soon enough with us. And so it's definitely something that I am trying to work with different providers in my community to make sure that these questions are asked. And that there is more support, even if the providers don't have time, because I totally understand that they're overworked and understaffed, but at least having support people there in the offices or on call that can help you if a provider is simply too busy to take the time to ask these sorts of questions and have these conversations with us. My name is Jessica. And I had recurrent pregnancy loss, had three miscarriages between eight and 12 weeks over the course of three years. And while I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone and I wouldn't want to go through it again, the loss forced me to examine my values in a very different way than had I easily gotten pregnant and carried to term. Um, my partner and I were able to sit down and 
decide if we wanted to continue down a path where we lived our lives cycle to cycle for the next months and potentially years, or if we wanted to end that part and put our energy into parenting in other ways, which we have done and have a fantastic foster kid now. The experience of having recurrent loss forced us to examine values in in a way that I'm really grateful for. We wouldn't have done that examination in any other situation. So knowing my values and feeling really clear with how I want to parent and who I want to be was a wonderful result to come out of a lot of loss and a lot of grief. And making that decision to not have biological children has 99% of the time been relieving. I've felt an enormous amount of relief. I found this clip from Jessica really powerful because she mentions feeling relief at deciding to remain childless after an infertility journey. And while she does have a foster child, I think it's something that isn't talked about a lot that I'm trying to bring awareness to through my program and my podcast that, you know, you should be communicating as partners and deciding if this is a path that you want to continue down, if this is something that you want to keep living month to month, year to year. And if so, that's totally fine. But if it's not, that's also fine. And you do not have to set yourself on fire and continue in this chaotic cycle if you do not want to. doesn't matter what anybody else wants. It's what you and your partner feel is best for your situation. And remaining childless after infertility is an absolutely acceptable choice to make. What do I wish I knew before starting my (laughs) trying to conceive journey? I think I wish I knew more about OPKs, ovulation predictor kits, cheap little sticks. You can get them on Amazon that you pee on and they tell you whether you're in a peak day of your cycle. So it took a lot of the pressure off the timing for us. Instead of having to to stress about things, we just kind of knew which days were key and made sure we were hitting those. And since we did struggle, I wish I knew that it was not uncommon to struggle. I wish I knew one in six people go through infertility. I definitely thought infertility was much rarer because one in six people do not talk about it. I don't know any medical condition that's as common as infertility, but talked about less. And for me, the biggest source of support has been a beautiful infertility and trying to conceive community on Instagram. That has been great for me. I wish I knew that you didn't have to wait 12 months to get help. You can actually request fertility awareness testing or a fertility clinic referral whenever you want. And finally, I think I wish I had thought to see a naturopath earlier. There are certain supplements that we could take that not only are important for pregnancy and childbirth in general, things like folic acid and prenatals and fish oil, but also some that can help with issues and improve your chances of conceiving. Naturopathic doctors are a great resource. The reason I love this is because it does bring up the fact that, yes, this current statistic is that one in six people around the world struggle with infertility. And like she said, not one in six people talk about it. It's still, even with a thriving Instagram community, it's still not talked about near enough to match the statistic. And yeah, there absolutely is more than one option for care and providership through this journey. So if you are feeling unsupported by your current provider, maybe you want to add on a naturopath or holistic doctor to try to see if there's things that maybe 
your traditional provider, you know, doesn't know about or isn't quite thinking outside the box with. So whatever you need, there's a lot of different options out there that you can research or have people that have been through it recommend to you that may be very helpful and comforting. When I think about what I wish I would have known before my fertility journey, the list is long. My name is Alex and I have been on my fertility journey for about seven years now. The like too long, didn't read version of my life is infertility, foster care, IVF, miscarriage, divorce, doula. The two big things I can think of are that I wish I would have known it would take way longer than I thought and also wouldn't end up the way that I thought, but I'd be okay because I am okay now. And the second is the community. I don't know how I would have gone through the last seven years without people that understand and can empathize with the things that I've been through and will continue to go through as time goes on. I think this clip is really interesting and really powerful because infertility often comes with other issues related to miscommunication. Relationships can absolutely be caught in the crosshairs and fall apart. I've found in my experience in talking with many, many women that relationships either become stronger or they completely crumble under the pressure of this trauma. So if you are struggling with this, some outside help, third-party objective who is able to look at your situation from a bird's-eye view. And also, like Alex said, find your community, find your tribe. If you don't have one, you're welcome into the Life Beyond Infertility community. We welcome everyone. And it's important to know that you are not alone and that there are people out there that can empathize with what you have gone through and can offer you some peace and support. Hi, I'm Sandy Michelet, and I run a website and a Facebook group called The Childless Life. In my day job, I'm also the VP of HR for a technology company based in Louisiana. So one thing I wish I would have known was that I can still influence and I can still make an impact on people regardless if I have a child or not. I think as an infertile woman, I, like many of us, worried, am I going to be able to make a difference? Are people going to remember me? Well, it took me a long time to realize that I can make a massive impact on people in my community, and it has nothing to do with having a child. There's a phrase that says, the one who plants trees knowing he will never sit in their shade has at least started to understand the meaning of life. And I love that. So to me, that means getting involved in our community, getting involved in volunteering in church or whatever works for you to make a difference and make a lasting impact on our world and our community. That is how I'm going to make a difference. It's not necessarily through having a child. And I love the idea of thinking that some of the programs and initiatives that I'm working on in my community are going to be able to carry long-term, long after I'm gone. And to me, that's a pretty great thing. Um, I hope you enjoyed this and I will talk with you soon. I love Sandy's contribution to this because oftentimes when we as women are not able to produce a biological child, we do have the question 
come up of what are we going to leave behind? What is our legacy? And there's so many different options out there for a person, doesn't have to be a woman, but a person to leave a legacy without it being a biological child. As Sandy mentioned, she's working on some programs and initiatives in her community that are making things stronger and going to leave it in a better place than when she got there. And, you know, there's more than one way to show your maternal instinct. You can become a mentor to a child or a young adult who may be struggling with something that you have expertise in and are able to bring them support that maybe their parents aren't. Or you can volunteer or offer financial services, financial support to schools or any cause that you deem worthy. And so there's so many ways to continue our work and have people remember us without having it be in the form of a child. So the lack of knowledge about the endo and the fact that we thought I was very fertile created a perfect storm, resulting in leaving it too late before actively trying to conceive. Delay also resulted in two major surgeries for a frozen pelvis, multiple miscarriages and the failed cycle of IVF a cycle which had to be self-funded because I was too old to meet the criteria for flea cycles in the UK. However, in spite of these wishes, I'm very careful not to beat myself up or feel guilty about earlier decisions. I made those decisions based on the information that I had at the time, so they were the correct decisions at the time of making. It is only hindsight that has turned them into poor choices. So it's important to ensure that these wishes remain observations rather than letting them tip into feelings of guilt. I think it's important to remember that we make the decisions that are right for us with the information that we have at the time. And so the feelings of guilt and shame and regret that oftentimes come up when we decide to remain childless after an infertility journey are because of the thoughts that we think we made the wrong decision. But anybody who is making a decision is making it based on the information that they have at the time. And so you really need to give yourself grace and realize that you did the best that you could with the information that you had at the time that you had it or your situation. And you would probably make the same decision because you would have the same information at the time. It is important to ensure that your observations are simply that. When you look back on the decisions that you made, you're just observing what happened. You can't change it. You can only look forward from it and realize that you're still going to make the decisions that are right for you and realize that there are no right or wrong decisions. It's only choices that you make in the moment with the information that you have, which is all any of us have. The short answer is that it might not happen. For some of you, your plan A and your plan B are not going to come to pass. And no matter how much hope or faith you have, the answer will still be no. And if you lose that hope or faith or the journey does not take you where you want it to go, you are still an amazing human being worthy of life and love. The long answer is that it does not define who you are. Being pregnant doesn't define who you are. Being a parent doesn't define who you are. Dealing with infertility doesn't define who you are. You get to define who you are in this one wild and crazy life. The long answer is that the fertility treatments you choose or choose not to do are okay. The amount of money you choose to spend or not to spend on fertility treatments is okay. The emotions that you feel during the journey are valid and okay. The end result will be okay. You will be okay. 
The long answer is that hope and faith are not infinite resources, and only you can monitor and protect your supply. They are beautiful resources, but they do not equate goodness or merit. Don't let others make you feel like a failure because you need to pause or take a break or reconsider things. Hope and faith can also shapeshift and turn into something that you would never have realized is what hope and faith could look like. The long answer is that this life is what we make it. If your fertility journey ends empty-handed, use those hands to build the life you deserve with laughter, creating, volunteering, traveling, donating, loving, and building relationships. I personally have not been able to create a life in my womb, but what I'm coming to realize is that I can create so much life outside of it, and that is just as beautiful. I thought this clip summed everything up so perfectly, and so I wanted to end it with this. And I just want to let that information sit with you. I don't want to offer any sort of comments on it because I think that it was said beautifully. I hope the advice and information that you heard in today's episode of Ask the Audience was helpful. If it was, please leave me a comment on my Instagram at Life Beyond Infertility, or you can also email me at charlie at charliedice.com. And if you'd like to be a participant in a future episode of the Ask the Audience series on the podcast, please send me a message and let me know. I'd love to have your perspective. Thanks for listening. You're incredible, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss when a new episode airs. And the other thing I want you to do after listening to this episode is this. Visit my website, charliedice.com backslash roadmap. That's where you'll find my free gift for you. It's a little download I put together with six steps you can take right now to start embracing a joyful life outside of infertility. Again, that's charliedice.com backslash roadmap.